Praise the Lord. We, uh, we have the word coming today, but first I'd like to share uh, maybe announcements. And you have uh, socks coming. We, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have, uh, we're reaching out to the people uh, in the nursing home this year. Jackie coming up to share with us what to do. So those of you who don't have a sock to fill, make sure you get one. So we're taking the socks. Jackie has a printout of some ideas that uh, if you don't have to get what's on the list, but those just ideas for you to, to think about um, what would bless the people in the homes. And there. <laughs> we only have six stockings left. So out of the 28 that we had, thank you very much for those who are willing to share with the stocking. Some socks in. These are stockings. Stockings were hung by the chimney with care. We hoped that St. Nicholas soon would be there. Beth, you can actually turn this up now. What's up? So these are for the women. If you had a gray one, those were for there were six of them, and those were for the six men down at Willows. Um, and then the, all the men have been taken. So if you have a gray one, that's for the men. Um, Beth needs one. And um, and what the Lord has been laying on my heart, I know the past three weeks I've been saying, ladies, 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 come to my house. But um, ministering to the men down at the Willows too. So home is open next Sunday for some little tea. It's next Sunday. So Richard has already brought in the stocking. He filled it this week with his wife. I know, he's the first one. Um, so bring your stocking next Sunday, and then I think we'll meet at my our house. Not my house, it's my husband's too, so just in our home some tea sandwiches and um, and then we'll split up from there um, some going down to the willows and some going to Brookside and we'll just sing some carols there and present some the um, stockings and we'll just have a great time doing it you know blessing the Lord blessing these folks grandma grandpas some of you may not have grandma grandpas um, I have one left and he is at a rehabilitation, and God is really good. This is a testimony. Um, about two and a half weeks ago, she fell and broke her hip, the ball. So they only had to replace the ball and a little piece that fit for the, the femur. Um, but she's coming home Wednesday. She's been up. She's been walking. You know, God is good. She's 96 years old. She's all there. Her eyesight went a little bit because I think they think she had a minor heart attack. But... um. God is good because God's healing that too. So she's excited to come home on Wednesday, and we're excited to have her come home. And you know, she lives pretty much by herself. My parents live upstairs, but she lives downstairs all by herself, 96, and she, you know, she doesn't drive still. Thank goodness. But, <laughs> so the <laughs> but she's hysterical. She's like we went down to see her a couple of times, and she's just so funny. Oh, it's so cute. 
technology packed itself up. <laughs> so bring your stockings next Sunday. And so uh, these are the seasons of the nearness of the Lord. And I hope you're finding uh, seasons in uh, this time in your life where you're not only drawn to pray, but you're drawn to develop your relationship with the Lord in a very special and unique way. I know that there are dreams and visions that I've had, but I know that that's the case, that God is pouring out of heaven right now. And I want you to know that uh, there's a season of time right now to know him so personally and so intimately for the purpose of changing lives, the purpose of routing the principalities and the powers of heaven, not from, oh, look at me standpoint, but out of love, because his kingdom is coming upon the earth. And I want you to know that um, I, I exhorted you last week or the week before saying, uh, speak out loud when you pray. Speak out loud when you're reading your words that have been Announced over your life, released by the prophets. Speak out loud when you've had a dream or a vision, and even more, write it down. There's something about the written word of God, and not only the power of it, but also the rehearsing of it in the weeks and months to come. I can't tell you how many times I've went back to reread some dreams or visions that I've had that were over 10 years ago. They're just now coming to pass. And as we are sharing this morning, before uh, Deb comes up and brings the word, I wanted to share with you my experience of how this is really playing out every day in my life. And um, it was one of the last days of Tabernacles. And I, like you all, I got home really late. You know, it seemed like midnight since, uh, I don't know if I got to sleep before midnight in any one night. But uh, I was finally getting to bed, and I was looking really forward to putting my head on that pillow, and, oh, wow, what a night, right? And I sensed that there was something really, really wrong. Um, something, something where evil wanted to change the course of my family's life. And I knew that it involved Sarah hard to talk when you can't, you know, just share, oh my gosh, emotions. So I knew something was really, really wrong, and I started to pray out loud, um, declaring into the atmosphere that devil, I know that you prowl about like a lion, seeking whom you can devour and destroy lives, but this night is not going to be the night. take my daughter. I began to declare the word of the Lord, the authority and the power. I, I sent it out into the atmosphere and I declared that God's word doesn't go out into the atmosphere and return void, but it accomplishes the very thing, the very purpose, the very accuracy that you sent it out and it accomplished. I knew that I was releasing the word of God, and I knew that I was releasing authority and power, and I knew that I was confronting evil spirits and things that wanted to take Sarah's life. Now, it took some time to go through and declare and reestablish the line of authority. 
It isn't something that you're going to find you can do it in three or four words or two or three minutes or five minutes or ten minutes, but you'll know when you've broken through. You will know when the atmosphere has changed. And as I did on that night, I didn't sense that I needed to go anywhere or do anything other than declare God's word and his goodness and his favor and his kindness and his authority and his uh, even long-suffering and his uh, rulership over the atmosphere. So after a little while, I sensed there's a peace. And I don't know how that works, how you go from feeling like you're in a life-changing situation to peace and you're able to go to sleep. It can only be done by the Spirit, I suppose. But on that night, I, I did. I found uh, rest and peace and I went to sleep. Around 2 o'clock in the morning, 2 a.m., so this is two hours later, I got the call that every dad Mr. Wilder, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, this, I'm asleep, waking up, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, this is, yeah, this is Sean, oh, uh, this is uh, the chief of police at uh, the hospital, your daughter's been in a terrible accident, that night, John Piper gave his testimony about being in a terrible accident, and how the angels intervened how through a pastor that didn't really even believe came and touched him and his spirit brought life back into him. That's where I was emotionally. And to hear the testimony of John Piper to know that MRIs and the CAT scans and things that I don't even know what they were. I don't know how he knew. Um, but it's going to be some time. And uh, if you come here, there's not really much to do because she's not in the room. She's into all of those other places. They're trying to figure out what, where the damage in her body is, where the breaks are, and how bad it is. Because I was on the scene, Sean, and, and it was really bad. And so uh, don't come up right away maybe in the morning. And how, how could you not? I mean, how, so, like, no way. I'm, I'm coming up. And so I got there, and, and he's there, and he's a very kind, very um, very compassionate man, chief of police in Plainfield. And uh, he's telling me what happened. And he said, well, uh, she was on Brook Road, and she apparently was coming home. And it was raining out that night, if you remember. And uh, very dark and dreary, brook road, lots of fog because it follows the brook. And uh, she was about halfway on Brook Road just before Jenny Road. And I, I knew where that was. I'd lived in town my whole life. And so I'm picturing the area. And he says, you know where the sharp corner is? And I said, yeah. He said, well, it was that sharp corner that um, she was traveling pretty fast. We know that because of the damage that happened on the guardrails. And, and anyway, so... He told me the story, and, and then all of a sudden, Sarah's coming down the aisleway uh, on the gurney uh, the other end of the hall. And I'm like, well, how am I going to go to a funeral? Am I going to have to prepare 
Mary never ready for things like that and I we've lost loved ones and so on or through some you know cancers and so on but to see your daughter coming down the far end of the hall I didn't know what to expect and she uh, looked up with me at me and said daddy I'm s- sorry I said Sarah I'll get through this and so I'm trying to be not like I was now. I'm trying to be strong. I'm trying to be encouraging to her. I'm trying to give her the assurance that things are going to be okay, that there are, the Lord is with us. And he said, Sean, I don't know how many angels you know. This is the chief of police talking again. He said, I don't know how many angels you know, but there must have been an awful lot of them on that road that night because there's no human way possible she should be alive. And so... Uh, night went on. I'm going to speed it up a little bit. And uh, they wouldn't let her go uh, until the results of all the things came back because they were convinced of internal damage and on and on and on. And so I sat there in the room with her, just talking to her and praying and and trying to keep it light. Uh, It's a real challenge for me. That's a miracle in itself, right? I mean, because I'm usually the one that is crying and sobbing and poking out the prayer, uh, but it wasn't that way. There was a presence there that allowed me to be a father and to be strong and to speak to my daughter in ways of we're going to get through this. This is going to be okay. This is going to be short-lived. This is, you know, just speak what you want, what is the heart of God. I can tell you, they said, well, tests are starting to come back and we don't know what to do because there's no broken bones, there's no head injury, there's no internal damage, there's no, uh, a matter of fact, we've ordered another ultrasound because we can't believe that as many black and blues as she has on her abdomen, uh, that there's no internal damage. So the doctors come in, they're doing another ultrasound, and they're like, yep, yep, there's the kidneys, yep, yep, there's, you know, there's all the organs, they're in one piece, they're functioning okay. So at 7 o'clock that morning, Sarah got up off that bed, disconnected all of the IVs, all of the tubes, all of the things connected to her body, all the head sensors, all the chest sensors, disconnected it, put on a robe, and walked with me out of the hospital in my truck and drove home. how, How great is that? How great is that? And so the next day I went to the accident scene, and um, it is a long straightaway in the guardrails. And I don't know what she was doing. I fall asleep. Who knows? She doesn't know. She hit the guardrails. Uh, three feet over on the guardrails, there were gigantic uh, pine trees with about a maybe 60 to an 80-foot drop down into the road. She hit the guardrails, knocked the guardrails over two to three feet, bounced off the guardrails and hit the bank on the other side. So I took a look at the car. The car is absolutely destroyed and totaled. I looked at the driver's side airbag didn't go off. And I called the company and I said, you know, this is what I know about the accident. Very curious to know why the airbag didn't go off. And they said, well, Mr. Wilder, with what you've said about the accident, we're very curious as well. If you want, we're going to send somebody from Chicago out to look at the car. 
So the next day, there was an individual looking at the car from Chicago that came out, and he gave me, I don't know if you guys know, but the cars all have black boxes in them today, uh, and they monitor all the sensors. They monitor the speed, the acceleration, whether the wheels are locked, who's in what seat, just everything about the car. I got a 45-page report uh, that got sucked out of the black box from this car. The car was going 67 miles an hour on Brook Road. Car um, hit the guardrails and reduced by about three miles an hour before it hit the bank, uh, which captures the last five seconds of the car. She was not wearing a seatbelt. Uh, she was not uh, decelerating. The brakes were never touched. She was accelerating. So 67 miles an hour accelerating into the corner. And how? travel, no seatbelt, car hit the guardrails, hit the bank, went up the bank and then rolled down back into the road, landed upside down with no seatbelt. She was knocked unconscious, was unconscious until the ambulance got there. I don't know how long that took, probably an hour. Unconscious, raining, laying in her car that was upside down. Now, as horrific as that sounds, as terrible, it reminds me of Julie and Toby coming back from Manchester, Concord, when they hit a moose. As horrific as these things sound, as awful as the outcome should have been, how amazing is that, that Sarah was able to get up off the bed 7 a.m. in the morning, six hours after the accident, walk out to the truck and come home with me, and then go to work two days later. And she was at the Thanksgiving table with our family all weekend. So instead of ashes, instead of a funeral, instead of the catastrophic thing that our adversary has planned for our lives, the Word of God released into the atmosphere. It wasn't something that I did. It wasn't it wasn't anything special about me. It was just being aware of what is happening in the atmosphere and speaking the contrary word to it and declaring God's power and authority. Such is the same for all of you. There's nothing special about me. There's nothing superhuman about me. Just I'm, I'm flesh and blood, just like all of you. But a word released in a season of time changed the course of, an of not only a family, but the people that she worked with. Sarah is just beginning now to understand how catastrophic that would have been. She can't believe that she went through that and has no memory of it until she was riding in the ambulance on the way to the hospital six weeks and a half later. So I don't know what God did, whether he took her body out of the car. Or I don't know how that works angels, how they intervene, how the Word of God works that. But I do know the Word of God was strong, powerful, and mighty that night. Save, save my daughter. So I hope none of you ever have to go through something like that. But when trials arise in our life, when things happen that we need something beyond human ability, beyond human strength, there is a God right now who wants to, you to know him so personally, so intimately, 
so profoundly that he wants to give you and me things that have not been released on the earth such as in our in our in this time frame so i'm convinced that uh, many of you are going to have experiences just in the next few weeks that are profound not the accidents i'm talking about the things from heaven visions dreams revelation understanding divine things that are being released in the storehouses and the warehouses of heaven that are going to change the atmosphere, change people's lives. For me, it was a near-death experience with Sarah. I've had many near-death experiences myself. Um, I haven't seen the pearly gates and things, but this was a matter that I foolishly did when I was young. But God is such an amazing God cares about every single thing we're going through, every single hair of our head, every emotion that we have, every feeling that we have, every heart desire that we have. So I want to encourage you, take the time and make the maximum uh, distance that you can to find out and have the experience with God that He is coming. He wants you to have right now in this season. Seasons of time can be anywhere from decades to moments. So I'm not here to say it's all going to happen in this next week or in this next month. Could your experience of revelation or the visions of Daniel or the visions of John or the visions of James, all of those things are written about so we can know this is normal. This is normal. Revelation is no, should be normal. Miracles and signs and wonders are going to be your normal, everyday experience. Excited about that? Anybody else you'd like to share before the word comes? And um, Dave, yeah, come on up. Before the word comes, and um, we're encouraged on what God is doing. had like a story for us or something. I I don't know. I figured, wow, this is going to be good. Dave's sharing. Nobody else? Come on. Toby, come on up. Sarah's doing well. Her her upper body is still very sore and tender, um, but she's doing what she wants in terms of working. She is, uh, she's got this dog named Pino that demands all of her attention, and she loves just hanging out and her boyfriend is over there too. So she is very good. No long-term, headaches now and then, but no broken bones, muscles are healing, shoulder is healing, blacked and bruised. That was also because she was thrown into the steering wheel. Airbag didn't deploy, but figuring that out. 
hopefully somebody will. Oh, so are you guys ready for the word? This is Family and Friends Day to share the goodness of our God, how wonderful he is and what he's done in your life, and even the little things, even the little things are worth. Prophecy is just the testimony of Jesus Christ. Jesus lives inside of you. He is meeting you on a daily, hourly, moment basis. That's prophecy. That's the prophecy of Jesus Christ. Amen? All right, you guys are awfully quiet. You sure nobody else wants to share before Deb comes up? Kevin? Yes. Yeah. We've got a good problem next door. We've got a we've got a good. The problem this morning was I'm I'm going over there and I'm like, you guys have used all the tables for the food. This is uh, family and friends day. Where are we going to sit? Kevin's like, well, I don't know. We got like two tables left. And I'm like, Kevin, we got to have more than two tables to sit at. So we have a good problem. House. We have got so much food and so much. Pies and cookies and pastries and uh, all kinds of things over there. God is just blessing us and increasing Joseph's storehouse to go out and affect the community. Amen? So there are tables set up over there. So if you can stay with us. nervous. No. God. God. Yeah, I know. Okay. Father, I love you and I just We had nothing else to give you. I'm so thankful. You have a plan for my life, for our lives. 
Lord, that you never forget us, that you never forsake us, and that there is absolutely nothing in this world except from your love. Regardless of what the enemy tries to do in our lives, regardless that he may come on a daily basis as a liar, Father God, to rob and steal and destroy. Father, I am thankful today that you alone have the last word. You alone have the last word in my life, my life, my faith. In this church, and in our future, and I just humbly submit myself to you. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would lead and guide and John anoints me to share. A few weeks ago, <coughs> um, some of you know that we've moved. We're having our home and business on the market for almost nine years. We and after having a contract for three and a half years, we finally were able to move from a place that I had lived for 25 years. And in the midst of the move, um, I have realized I am not as young as I used to be. And the things that I could do, like an ever-ready bunny, my body does, but it takes a little longer to recover than 25 years ago. Lots and lots of memories. Um, and I found that in the move over the course of the past couple of weeks, I'm just going to be very transparent today and just share from my heart. I have found, because, you know, we all are on a different path or the same path. And we all may take different steps, but ultimately we have the same goal. We all have issues, things that we have to deal with, sin. And I have found over the past couple of weeks that I've just been so angry. And it was the other morning I was like, Lord, why, why am I so angry? It's not me. See, I was raised in a very angry home. So I spent most of my life avoiding anger, avoiding that emotion, because it was not very pleasant in my home. And um, so I never wanted to make anyone angry. And I just, looking at it from a child's perspective, angry is pretty scary. Ugly, it's not becoming. But we all know that God created all of our emotions. He created anger as well. And there's a purpose in it. How many of you know that God has a purpose in everything that we go through in our life? And good news is, is though the Lord was exposing it, it was because he wanted to deal with it. There were some things that I had shoved 
deep down because I didn't want to be angry. You know, a angry just it doesn't look very pretty. It's not a nice quality when it's abused. And the Lord wanted to deal with some things, some things, some disappointments. Um, some dreams that I had. not going to ever fall to the ground. His word is eternal. It's from beginning to end. And it continues through our life. It continues to build. It continues to bring forth the promises he has for our life. Because he is not a man that he should lie. He's God. He's a good God. And he's a good father faithful, even when we're not. So, you know, what do you do in that kind of a situation when the Lord begins to expose these ugly things in your heart? The only thing I knew to do was just to bring them before him. Say, this is really ugly. And this is in my heart. And I need you to heal it. And I need you to heal my heart. There were places that I had to go back and offer him some forgiveness. And it's a good thing because forgiveness sets us free. Forgiveness sets us free. That's not at all what this word is about today. But I'm here to tell you that just because I'm standing up here, I'm not any different or any better than anyone else. Because the word's about a story today. And each of us have a story. It starts from before the time we were born. And it continues. And today, Pastor tells us that our story is being written. And that at some point in time, eternity, somebody's going to read our story. Isn't that amazing? Just like we read stories in the Bible, somebody's going to read our story. And it's going to touch them and bless them. And it's going to bring life. Because what the enemy means for destruction, and it may look like a pile of ashes and garbage, but I'm here to tell you today, Father God promises to take your garbage heap and make it something beautiful. So regardless of where you've lived and the choices that you've made, Father God promises to take that ash heap and make it something beautiful. So we don't have television yet is actually a good thing. It's been a frustrating thing, I think, for Ed. Um, but it's a good thing. 
So I have downloaded all this music onto my computer. The computer, when I'm not down in the office, um, is playing 24-7, playing this worship music. It's very beautiful. And unbeknownst to me, on one of these CDs, actually several of them, someone gives a word. And I started noticing that the Lord was bringing this one word more frequently. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes it takes the Lord a few times to get my attention. And I, one morning I was like, hey, Lord, do you want me to pay attention to this? Yes. So I stopped what I was doing. Exactly. So part of what I'm going to bring you today is from that word. God wants to personalize it today. So I'm going to give you a little background. Um, I'm going to try to stay watching my notes here, so I'm just going to move a little. a little bit, a little background. So before Elisha, everybody knows Elisha in the Old Testament. So before Elisha was anointed by his successor, Elijah, um, there were some awful things going on in the land at that time. It was a very, very dark time. Very, very dark. And um, They'd been in a battle with Jezebel. You know who Jezebel is. She wasn't a nice queen. Um, Jezebel at that time was ruling the land. There was sexual immorality, great, great darkness. It was a very evil time, dark time. There was great oppression in the land. And by this time, King Ahab had died. He was married to Jezebel. Um, but his lineage was still reigning, his family, his wife, who now was queen. Um, and Elisha at that time actually had a school of prophets. So the Lord goes to Elisha and he says to him, I want you to send one of your prophets to Jehu. Now Jehu was the commander of the army. I imagine he was probably top military. So he was probably a pretty important dude. He had a lot of wisdom and a, no a lot of knowledge in the land and a lot of military value. He said, I want you to send your prophet, one of your prophets, to Jehu. And I want you un to anoint him as king. I have a word for him. Now, I'm going to stop right there, and I'd like you guys, if you would, first of all, and I've got two Bibles up here because I like the verses differently. So first, I'd like you to turn to Matthew 6.6. 6. And this is what it says. 
But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So, but you, when you pray, go into your room, wherever that room is, seek the Father, and when you seek him in that secret place, going to respond to you. Now I'd like you to turn to 2 Kings chapter 9. When you're there, go 2 Kings chapter 9. And Elisha the prophet called one of the children of the prophets from his school of prophets and said unto him, Gird up thy loins and take this box of oil in thy hand and go to Ramathilead. And when thou comest thither, look out there, Jehu, the son of Jehoshaphat, the son of Nimshi, and go in and make him arise up from among his brethren and carry him to an inner chamber. Then take the box of oil and pour it on his head and say, Thus saith the Lord, I have anointed thee king over Israel. Then open the door and flee and tarry not. So the young man, even the young man the prophet, went to Ramathiliad. And when he came, behold, the captain of the host was sitting. And he said, I have an errand to thee. O captain, and Jehu said, Unto which of all of us? And he said, To thee, O captain. And he arose and went into the house, and he poured the oil on his head and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I have anointed thee king over the people of the Lord, even over Israel. And thou shalt smite the house of Ahab thy master, that I may avenge the blood of my servants the prophets and the blood of all the servants of the Lord at the hand of Jezebel. For the whole house of Ahab shall perish, and I will cut off from Ahab him that pisseth against the wall and him that is shut up and left in Israel. And I will make the house of Ahab like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and like the house of Baasha, the son of And the dogs shall eat Jezebel in the portion of Jezreel, and there shall be none to bury her. And he opened the door and left. There are key moments in all of our lives. Key moments that change the direction of our lives. That day, Jehu's life was going to be completely changed. At one moment, he's sitting with his associates or his friends. I have no idea what they were doing. The next second, a prophet comes to him and requires him to get up from where he is at, go into the inner room. I want you to understand the requirement is for Jehu to get up from where he was. It's a 
requirement was for him to leave his friends, his associates, his familiar places, and to go into the inner room or the inner chamber. Elisha said the requirement is for him to get up and separate himself and go into the inner chamber. Then you are to anoint him and give him the word of the Lord and anoint him to be king. Each and every one of us can look at our lives. and There have been key moments that have changed the direction One of those moments for me, some of you have heard this story, and I apologize, but I'm going to say it again. When I first came to this church over 25 years ago, most of you don't know, I was raised in a very strict Baptist home. Here is a church that is non-denominational, but we're spirit-filled, we believe the Bible, we believe Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, died on the cross, rose again. Now, Baptists believe all that, but the Baptists never really talk about the Holy Spirit. They just, they say, Jesus, Father, the Holy Spirit, but they never talk about the Holy Spirit. I don't know why that is, but they didn't. Um... So coming to this church and being introduced to the Holy Spirit was something very new for me. We had a spiritual father. His name was Royal. He was a beautiful man with piercing blue eyes. The most kind person, genuinely filled with mercy and passion and love, unlike anyone I have ever met in my life. When Royal would come, I was so drawn to him. And most of everything that he spoke, I didn't understand. It was way over my head. I was a very young Christian woman. But my spirit knew enough sit at his feet and to take in as much as I could because even though I did not understand it that day there would come a time when everything he said would make sense to me I would gain an understanding so I would whenever that man came whenever he was present I just sat and listened he had written a book very small book, and it was called Spirit of Unity. And it was after one of our feasts. It had to be Feast of Tabernacle because of the season about the story I'm about to tell you. And I had gone into my room, my, my room, shut the door. Now, I didn't know any different plan on that. I didn't understand. I just knew that I just wanted to be away from all of the noise and the distraction. And 
I began to read this book really one morning. And suddenly, I was with my thoughts. And, whoa. Okay. Unbeknownst to me, I finish this book, and I get on my knees beside my bed, and I began to pray about what I had read. And this travail came over me. If you don't know what travail it is, it's a weeping, a crying, this, this cry that comes so deep in your spirit. You're crying out for something that seems unbelievable. I didn't know, didn't really have an understanding. But at that moment in time, see, that was a key moment in my life where I picked up this book and I began to read it and the Lord began to plant seeds in my heart for something that I did not understand. I had no understanding of what spirit of unity was, but it's about us being one. And I began to weep and cry out. And I was weeping un I couldn't be I couldn't stop it. It was I was it was uncontained. And suddenly in the background I hear this noise. And I realize it's the fall and the geese are. And I lived near the river, and so the geese would follow the river. And I was like, oh, the geese. And I go back to travail. And I suddenly, probably, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes pass, and I hear the geese again. I'm like, wow. It didn't really compute to me because, see, it sounded like the geese were circling my home. Now, you and I both know geese do not circle. They follow the river. They go north and they go south. They stop along the way and they eat and whatever they do, but they do not circle. I kept praying and kept praying. I went to the window and sure enough, there is this huge flock of geese flying over my property. By the third time, now, remember, this is all new to me. I don't know what's going on. I hear this voice. Well, before I hear the voice, I'm, I'm, oh, Lord, are you trying to tell me something? See, it takes me a little longer. And I go to the window and I open up the curtain and I look into the sky. And the moment that I open the curtains, I hear this voice. And this voice says to me, Surely as the geese fly south, so shall I do this thing in you. Now I want you to know that in the fall, when I see the geese, it must have been like Noah with the rainbow. 
because I'm a kid, and I jump up and down, and I'm all excited because, see, that was a promise to me. It doesn't mean I'm any different or any better than anyone else. It only means that I separated myself, and I went into the inner chamber. I went in my room alone with Father God. And at that moment in time, he met me there. There was a woman that went to church here. She was one of my many mentors, Barbara Gornell. Some of you remember her. Some of you are her students. As I look back, Barbara, when Barbara and I first kind of started not really working together, but we kind of butted heads. See, how many of you understand that the enemy knows your destiny? He knows who you are. He knows what you're called to do and what you're called to be. And he wants to do anything that he can to stop that. Barbara Gornell was a great intercessor. She still is. And once we were able to get over those little bumpy moments, she began to mentor me in intercession and prayer. See, in that, in that room that morning, that's what I was doing. I was praying. I was interceding on behalf of God's body that there would be unity. Because how many of you know there isn't unity in the church? There isn't unity amongst us. But that's his heart, that we be one. So that day he planted these seeds for prayer and intercession in my heart. And here comes Barbara Gornell alongside me. And she puts her arm around me because, see, she saw, she saw that gift. She saw those seeds in my heart. And she began to nurture them. And she began to bless them. And she began to pray for them. And she began to teach me how to pray. How to separate myself and go into the inner chamber to find God. You know, there are things that are released to us corporately in prayer. We meet every Wednesday night here for corporate prayer. And there are things that are released corporately. But there are things that are released in your inner room, in that private, secret place with Father that he can only release there. And if you're not going to that place, you're not going to hear that word. You see, that was the requirement for Jehu, the requirement for him to be anointed and become king, was he had to get up, leave his associates, the familiar place, and go into an inner room in that house to be anointed king and receive the word of the Lord. Each and every one of us, every one of you, 
has a story. And each and every one of you has a destiny, something that Father God has purposed for you to do. But if we do not go into the inner chamber, see, Father God is strategic, and he's deliberate about everything that he does. He was deliberate about that word to Jehu. The requirement is he's got to get up and go in the inner room, or he does not receive the word, and I am not going to anoint him king. What is the word of the Lord? for you that you're missing out on because you're not getting up, separating yourself and going in to the secret place. Years ago, Pastor Lonnie gave us all, or the deacons and elders at that time, a book called Visions of Heaven. I'm telling you this story because this is another key moment in my life. I read that book. If you haven't read the book, you need to read the book. Because the book is about um, a home that is filled with children that don't have families. They were, there were some very young children, two, three years old. There were babies. But this home, it was like an open heaven there. And these children began to have visions of heaven. And they began to go out into the community and lead people to the Lord and give prophetic words and feed the poor and the hungry. In reading that book, once again, there were seeds that were planted into my heart to pray for our children, to intercede on behalf of our children. Today, I'm the director of a children's center our children's center. I did not know 10 years ago when Father God put visions of heaven in my hand that at some point I would be touching children who don't have families. See, we're a specialized center. We have children who are from the Department of Children and Family Services meaning that those children have been removed from their homes because it's not safe or their parents are on drugs. And so I had to have a different outlook. I had to have Father's heart for those children or I may have looked at them very differently. I wouldn't carry the burden that I carry for them and the sleepless nights and nights when I go and lay my head down and know how traumatized some of them have been 
can understand why they misbehave and why they react to certain things. There are things that happen in the center that trigger bad memories for them. And we have to know. We have to know how to love them. The way that the father would love them. So that someday when they're an adult, they may have only one place to go back to that they knew that they were loved and they were valued and they were special and that it can always be a place that they can come back to. There are two little children that have been in our center who are being raised by their grandma. Their mother is barely 22 years old. She's been in nine rehabs. She just got out of one rehab. And if she doesn't find Jesus, she's not going to make it. Because now she's living in a shack and she's selling her body for drugs. The only hope she has is Jesus. And because of those seeds that he put in my heart, to pray for these children. We can contend for them. I can believe for that young girl. I can declare the word of the Lord over her life, out loud, praying for God to send angels to cover her and protect her that she would encounter the love of Jesus so that she too can walk in freedom because that's Father's heart. Those were two key moments. The geese, the visions of heaven, that God came and divinely changed the course of my life. From that moment on, it went a different direction. My prayer was not the same. Nothing was the same. Jehu was in a spot where he was going to have one of those key moments. When the prophet came, at that moment in time, he had an encounter in the inner room. The most strategic thing that we can do with our life is to plant ourselves in the secret place, in the inner room, to separate ourselves and to go and meet with God privately. God's calling, and he wants to anoint each and every one of you. Because God is about to change things. 
see, God took in one moment and changed the direction of a country. It was living in darkness and oppression. But Father God sent a prophet to a man that responded and got up and went into the inner room. And in a moment, the course of that nation was changed. And God wants to, in a moment, change the course of our nation. He wants to change the atmosphere, and he wants to change the direction of our government. But it is going to take a people, an army, not just one, not just two. He wants to change the atmosphere of this valley and the government of this valley. And he's calling you today to separate yourself in this season and in this time to separate yourself, to get up the requirement to be a part of what God is going to do is to get up and go into the inner room and to meet with him privately in the secret place where he can anoint you and give you the word of the Lord to change the course of a country. See, in the private place, in that inner room, you get what you can't get anywhere else. You can search the world. You can go anywhere that your soul takes you. But the only place that you can find that is in the secret place. One place. One place. This man talked about a bat, not baseball bat, the animal bat. I know. Um, I have to look at my notes here because I want to make sure I get this right. It's a very critically endangered bat. And this bat is only found in one place in all the world. On Silhouette Island in the Indian Ocean. One bat the only place that you can find it. You can go anywhere you want to, all over the world, but that's the only place that that bat's going to be found. You can go anywhere in the world, and you can search everywhere you want. But there are some things that are only given in the secret place. See, in the secret place, there's only room for two. There's only room for two. It's pretty intimate, and it's pretty private. And I think sometimes intimacy scares us. It frightens us.
once you begin to make it a habit, you realize that the only requirement to go there is to get up and go there. You don't have to go through all the rituals. You don't have to take a shower first. You don't have to clean up. Because Father God says, just come as you are. Just come into this inner room. I've been sitting here and I'm waiting just for you. Because I have a word just for you. It's not for everybody. It's just for you. And I've been holding on to it. I've kept it inside, just waiting for you to come into this inner room so that I can anoint, I can anoint you to do what only you can do. Only what you can do. Your neighbor can't do it. Your mother and your father, your children. Nobody can do that one thing but you. See, because he's destined from the beginning of time in this season that she would enter in into this place and build relationship with him. See, this isn't about a one-time thing or an hour. In this season, he's asking you to create a lifestyle. This is a lifestyle that will change the course of your life, a lifestyle that will change the course of this valley and this church. It will change the course of our nation. John the Baptist separated himself, and he went out into the desert for 40 days, and he prayed and he fasted. And when they came to them and asked him who he was, he says, I am he who is crying out in the wilderness. I'm the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. See, we have been granted this time. They all spoke about it and read about it, they knew that there was a time we're walking in it. Our story is going to be the facts of it actually happening. We're the ones. We've been chosen to change the course. I know for some of you, maybe for all of us, things are unsure right now. Maybe there's a situation in your life that's very dark. You've never walked this path before. It's unsure. It's different. 
it doesn't probably feel very good. But I sense that God is going to speak to you in this time. And that if you will respond, that you're going to be consumed by those seeds that he's going to implant in your heart for the purpose of your family, this valley, this church, and our nation. One life given fully in the secret place can speak more in any other place. If we make the decision to go into the inner realm. See, it's a call to prayer. It's a call to give up our time. It's a call to separate from the familiar and the things that we really like to do. It's a sacrifice. Oh, but it's so well worth it. The payoff is worth everything. Jehu had a requirement to rise up and separate himself to the inner room. To make a decision to plant his life in the inner room or not to. And I believe today that we all have that choice to make. Not everyone's going to respond. Not everyone's going to respond. I pray that you do. Because there's nothing that compares. There is nothing in this world. There's no other payoff. Nothing compares to the inner room and the secret place of the Father. He will change your life. I hope that you heed the call today. I feel like I'm ending this on a downer, Sean. I don't mean to. But I think it's a serious it's a serious time that we find ourselves in. But it's a wonderful time. And I love each and every one of you. We as leaders pray for you continually, young and old. I love you very much. And I'm, I am personally praying for you, for each and every one of you, that you will hear the call of the Lord into the inner room. Amen. Good word. Did you take it personally, or is it for the one sitting next to you? That's, that's the question that God would ask you right now. Did you take this word personally, or is it for somebody else? I can't tell you how many times I've sat in this building under words like this and thought, oh, that's for this person, that's for that person. And so we're standing in front of the mirror today. This word's for us personally. Whether or not you take this personally, that's up to you. 
but you heard the word and the heartbeat and the passion and the hope and the desire that the Father thinks about every moment of every day. You can hear this word through your soul. So the word is recorded. I would encourage you to rehearse it. Uh, Put uh, Ben and Beth to work back there with making CDs because we have the technology to do that and uh, rehearse it in the next days. Find the secret place. It's online, praisechapeloutreach.com. And uh, let the Lord melt your heart in the season that we're in. And as this, this service was started, in worship and prayer and just the river and everything that's been spoken today, let the word minister to you in that deep way. Amen? So if you'd like to stay today, their uh, family and friends day, we have good food next door. We never, ever seem to run out, and it's always really good over there. So uh, you're welcome to stay if you'd like. Uh, Kathy and Lonnie will be back uh, later this week. So we pray for safe travels and mercy and all that and uh, deliver them safely back. So praise the Lord. Have an awesome day. And uh, we'll see you shortly. Amen? Amen. Sins of our nation, Lord, we are guilty of a precious life turned away. Our hearts from your laws have taken for granted. Love you. 